0: This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. This is part of our current Sunday evening series called 18 Words You Really Need to Know. have been going through different terms of of our relationship with Christ as a believer and tonight's word uh, is faith. And as she was singing, uh, we we talk about God's will being done, Uh, we think about his will being done and we embrace that and we believe that and we live that out, it is faith that enables us to understand that and grasp that. And so it fits perfectly with the word uh, of tonight. We, we do normally on Sunday night, dig deeper as I like to call it. And it's kind of a teaching time. Uh, so if you are new to us on Sunday night, we enjoy our opportunity to open up God's word and, and dig a little deeper sometimes as church folks as we gather here on Sunday evening. I promise to eventually get to Hebrews chapter 12. So you turn there and I want to walk through this term faith. Now we've been reading that this my my book is a different color than probably the book you have, uh, but we have been reading and, and looking through for the last several months this book by j. i. Packard, and the idea was words that that will change our life, key words of the Bible and've uh, been looking through different words. I would ask somebody to stand up and recite the words we've gone over. You might want to volunteer for that It's just so fresh I could get asked Matt or joy to do it. I'm sure they've remember every word that we've gone through by memory. It's been a long time since we've, we've been there. Revelation, scripture, the Lord, the world, sin, devil, grace, mediator, reconciliation, and then word 10 tonight, faith. Now you think about that word faith. Uh, we see that word in scripture. We know it's a it's a word that is used a lot in the in, uh, religious circles, what is true saving faith is a way to understand that. We think about religion, religion deals with having a a mental understanding of something, but there's also the works of something. So we believe something, but we must work something in order to be saved. Well, we know that's not true. We know that true faith is what saves us. We're saved by grace through what? Faith, nothing else, not of works, anything else. Now, we'll get to works in a moment, but isn't that wonderful to know that it is by grace through the door by which we understand grace, by grace through faith, we are saved. Not belief and the church, not belief in works, but grace through faith that we are saved. So let's think about that word, and then I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 12 and understand what it means to live this life uh, of faith, if I were just to use j I. Packard's uh, subheadings to walk through this word, which I will, I think it's helpful. There's a nature of saving faith. Uh, what is the nature of faith? If we think of that word faith, we think of faith or believing. it comes in a noun form and a verb form throughout scripture, but here's the key to it. It involves both a commitment and a confidence. Faith, I, I understand something. Another way to say it, it's believing and doing. James reminds us that the devil believes in God. The, devil, the demons believe in God, and the word is they shudder. They have faith. They have belief that there is God. I've said this. The devil could be a great Bible study teacher. You ever thought about that? He knows the Bible front and back. He's got a, a, a head knowledge of who the Lord is, and the gospel, and scripture. But he has never followed through with commitment. And so faith is, in our world today, if we're not careful, we think if you just believe in Jesus that that's enough. Well, yes, that is part of faith. We believe in Christ. Faith is believing in something. But faith is following through with a commitment that you understand that mental understanding means something. It'd be kind of like the idea, you know, and I'm not big on engineering. I don't really understand it. I just know an airplane is very heavy. And heavy things normally don't do well in air, correct? So faith is I know that airplanes can fly. But faith is I know airplanes can fly because I get in one, strap myself in it where I can't get out, and then it takes off. That's faith. Faith is when you understand who Christ is and based on that belief you have confidence and a commitment to that faith and you enter into a relationship with him. Biblical faith is that we believe and we trust in something. Biblical faith is that we believe and we trust upon something. Biblical faith is a movement of trust going out from going out to something now, i told you a story we're going to get to hebrews 12 mark that with something but i want us to look at some other things look at first peter chapter 1 first peter chapter 1 we think about faith and an object of our faith and the nature of faith first peter chapter 1 verse 21 first peter chapter 1 verse 21 who through him are believers in god who raised him from the dead. Let me back up to verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Now, who is through him? Christ. Christ had been around forever. Who through him are believers in God, so raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so your faith and hope are in God. So when we think of Christ, And we have our faith in Christ. We have our faith in the gospel. We are also placing faith in God. We know that there is a God because we have faith in Christ. We have a a confidence and we have a commitment that Christ is who he says that he is. That's why we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It places our faith in God. Romans chapter 3, another object of faith as we look at the New Testament. Romans chapter 3, Romans 3, beginning in 21, Romans three twenty one. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested again. God is manifested and revealed by Christ apart from the law, although law and the prophets bear witness to it. In other words, the law points toward Christ, but Christ fulfills the law. The righteousness of God through faith in jesus christ for all who believe the object of our faith is god through through our faith in the gospel but also the object of our faith is christ we believe that jesus christ is who he says that he is he is a man he is god he lived he walked he was a real person he lived a sinless life he lived and he died on a cross for our sin he was buried in a tomb. He rose again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's coming again. We believe that. Our faith is in Christ. The righteousness of God is manifested and revealed through Christ, and we believe that, and we have faith in that. And Everything about who we are in Christ is based on our faith in Christ. When we think about that. Sometimes we may struggle with the things of the faith, and it's, it's like we believe, but sometimes we lose our faith. We lose that trust in who Christ is and what he has done for us. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God he's talking about Abraham so let me read that again no distrust made him waver concerning the promises of God but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God what is another object of our faith God's promises now what are some of the the promises I think about the big pastoral promises I always try to encourage people with one is God will never leave you correct to never leave you nor forsake you He's on his throne. He is a God of love and a God of mercy. He's a fair God. He is a just God. He is a righteous God. I'm reading through the Psalms, and I've been reading through a section of Psalms to where the psalmist is saying, Lord, the enemies are all around me, and they're winning. And then at the end, but not really, because my trust is in you, God. Those are promises. We're not defeated. He is who He says that He is. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. I don't have to buy into the propaganda that, that when, when God likes you, great things happen to you. That is not true. We can do nothing more to make God love us more than more than He loves us right now because of what His Son has accomplished on that cross. I don't have to do anything else for God to love me more. I don't have to do anything else for God to, to love me more and do more for me. He has done enough. That's a promise. And I can love and trust God in His Word. His will be done, Thy kingdom come. Faith in those promises. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Beginning in verse 14. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, believe, pistos, have faith in the gospel. Have faith in God. Have faith in Christ. Have faith in God's promises. Have faith in the gospel. The Eongelion, the good news of Jesus Christ that makes our faith in God possible, that makes our faith in Christ possible, that makes our faith in the promises of God possible. To have faith in the gospel. I love the wording there. The time is fulfilled. And see, that's something we need to remember as part of God's promises. God has always been a God that has a timetable. He is structured. He is orderly. At the right time, John the Baptist came. Not by accident, not by chance. He came exactly when God wanted him to come. He came exactly so he could be the forerunner of Christ. Christ came at the exact time that he was supposed to come. And God literally said, now is the day of salvation. The fulfillment is now and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is that idea of the already and not yet. The kingdom is entered into our realm, but it will not be fully revealed until we get to glory. He said, believe in the gospel. Now is the day. When we think about today is the day of our salvation, have faith in the gospel. Now, what's the great next event that's going to take place? Now, think about this. I think I, I know what we all think we were talking about in the deacons meeting. We had a, a deacons meeting this afternoon. One of the great things I love about uh, ministry is how different we are. Okay, we're all different. We all think differently, and I know I think differently, and things that get me excited may may not think about. So sometimes, even around the house, I share something that's just so exciting to me, and Sharon will go, whoopee. But I get excited when I think about this. The next great redemptive event that is going to take place in the history of mankind is Christ's return. And we're in that period. not that exciting to you? We're in that period. It's not a, a gloomy period, a, a scary period, a period we're trying to figure out. I don't have to watch the news to know when it's going to happen. I don't have to focus on a country to know it's going to happen. I don't have to focus on November election to know when it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And it's a great event. And when that happens, all will be fulfilled. And we need to be excited about that. Some of us act like we're scared about it or anxious about it. I'm excited about it. I wish it was tomorrow, but I know I got more I need to do. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Have faith in the gospel. That's really the message we need to proclaim. The time is at hand. The time is fulfilled. Today is the day because God has allowed it to be today. Nothing happens outside of the realm of God's love and mercy and control. Today is the day of salvation. Repent. Have faith in God. Have faith in Christ. Have faith in the promises of God. Have faith in the gospel. Confidence. Commitment. A believing in and trusting in. A believing upon and trusting upon something. And that something is the Lord. Jesus Christ. That is the nature of faith. What is the source of faith? The source of faith is God. We think about faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith is a gift from God. His love, His grace, His mercy... His creation, all that we can bestow, uh, been bestowed upon us, is from God. How do we learn about faith? That is also from God the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, His Word. Everything that we have, everything that we know, everything that we need to proclaim, the source of faith is God. Even when we pray for the salvation of souls, how do we pray? You ever thought about that? My next door neighbor is lost, how do I pray? Dear God, do what? Save them. Dear God, open up their hearts to the gospel. Dear Lord, give me the boldness to share the gospel. Dear Lord, allow them to receive the gospel. Everything about faith is a gift from God. The gospel itself is a gift from God. Their response is a gift from God. And once we understand the source of faith is from God, it helps us to understand why it's such a precious gift from God. Everything that we know about faith is a gift from God. From a more practical standpoint and, and, and to taking it, faith is a gift from God. The source of our faith is the gospel. Where do we understand and hear the gospel? The word of God. One of the great truths that I picked up in, in the, my time as a jail ministry, I don't know why it took a jail ministry for me to be so simple, but we were talking one day, and I've shared this a thousand times, One of the jailer, the guys, and and, uh, I literally was locked in a room with these guys, and I became very close friends with them and and doing a Bible study at the local county jail. And one of those guys said, "If if I could just ask God 10 questions, I think everything would be better. I just got so many things to ask the Lord. I said, well, what if I were to tell you the next week God's coming with me to answer those questions? And he said, wouldn't that be great? And I said, guess what? He's here today. And that guy looked at me on the front row and he said, I'd never thought about it that way before. Everything we need to know about God is in His Word. And the things that aren't in His Word that we are so consumed about His time, quit worrying about them. God has given us His Word. He is, His Word is a source of faith. One of the little things I like to... Sometimes I'm guilty of kind of stirring the pot and picking on things. And I do so... Because I love you. And you do so because you love me because you're good about going back with it. And I don't ever want to take away something that could encourage someone in the faith. Because I know there are many things that we can read and we can watch. And we can be encouraged in the faith. But one of the things that used to drive me crazy about uh, some of the books that we, we love to read. One in particular was the, 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 the 90 Minutes in Heaven. And literally had a lady tell me one time, now I know what heaven's like. And I'm like, dear sister, everything we need to know about heaven is right here. Well, you don't believe that? Everything God wants us to know about everything is found right here. And the second that I begin to say, there's a fresh word around the corner. There's something else that God has given us. We step away from understanding the source of our faith Is solely right here. And as we see what heaven is like based on Scripture, and we understand, you know, we don't need anything else. The source of our faith is God through His Son, through the gospel that is now preserved for us through His Word. We don't need visions. We don't need dreams. We definitely don't need somebody else, no outside authority that says that they're an apostle or somebody with a fresh voice from God. Everything we need to know about the Lord and our faith is found in Scripture. Now, to some people, that seems to be discouraging. To me, it's great news. I don't need to look anywhere else. I don't need to seek anything else. Everything I need is found in the wonderful, precious gift of God's Word. What is the source of our faith? God and God's Word. Let me consider this if we move on. Faith and salvation. Faith is coming to Christ. One of the hardest things I do on Sunday morning, you come back on Sunday nights, you get to hear good, transparent the real transparency of the pastor. Okay, I'm going to let you in on some little trade secrets. One of the hardest things I do as a pastor has always been, this is going to sound kind of crazy, the invitation time. Let me take you back to our ministry in Indiana. Uh, it was not... Uh, It was a very strong Roman Catholicism was there, a Roman Catholic community. And your salvation is based by grace and faith and the church, okay? So here we are, a growing Baptist church that's got a heart for people to come to know the Lord. And and we preach the word and and give an invitation. And I say, if you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to come forward. And I had a, a gentleman that I had been witnessing to come forward and said, now wait a minute. You told me the other day at my home that you're only saved by grace through faith and it's not by works. And one of the dangers about the Catholic understanding is that you're saved by grace but also belonging to the church and works. But you just told me in order to be saved, I got to walk an aisle. We hadn't thought about that because we've been Baptist all our life, hadn't we? You still chewing on that? We're not saved by doing anything. Amen. We're saved by. So one of the hardest things I do, we get the invitation. It's the people that don't get the imitation that I struggle with. We're asking them to do something that we understand. If you're here today and you're professing faith in Christ, you need to come and tell me. But think about a total stranger sitting here that is new to our church and new to the gospel. I've preached a message. They've enjoyed it. They hadn't left. They stayed for the song. Everybody stands up, and then this guy says, If you're here today and you want to be saved, come tell me about it. Where in the world does that play out in Scripture and true saving faith? But yet at the same time, guess what I enjoy doing? If you're here today and you would like to know what it means, to we do want you to come forward. you see where the, where the struggle is? To preach the gospel and just say, if you're, if you're considering, go home and contemplate it. If you want to be saved and baptized, let me know. Well, that doesn't sound right. But to say, if you've been saved, walk forward and, and, and we'll solidify it. So you're almost, almost saved in the pew And you get finally saved down there. That doesn't make any sense. See, y'all didn't know what I struggled with, do you? The struggle, and y'all wonder why I forget stuff, why why I forget announcements. How many of y'all have been mad at me because I forget announcements on Sunday night? Well, he didn't do my announcements at the end of service because I'm struggling with that. I want to be faithful. And you're trying to explain to someone that you're saved by faith alone. But once you receive Christ, you want to identify and you want to move upon that faith. So y'all just pray for me during the invitation time. It's tough because you want to be consistent and you want to be biblical. But we're saved by faith. You're coming to Christ. Faith means letting oneself fall into his open arm. That was a quote from J.I. Packer. Faith is coming to Christ. Faith means letting oneself fall into his open arm. Faith thus links man to Christ. Let me pick on Baptists for a moment. For those that are visiting Western North and aren't Baptists, this does not apply to you. This is Baptist joke time. Go back to the invitation time. Faith is not, I went forward, talked to a pastor, and was baptized and joined the church. Faith is, let me read it. Coming to Christ, faith means letting oneself fall into his open arm. Faith thus leads man to Christ. You know how many Baptists I could call up that hadn't been in church in a long time? Many of them would be in my family. And I could call family members right now and say, Do you know that you're saved? Do you have an assurance of salvation? You know how many times people would say, I walked forward and joined the church and I was baptized. How scary is that? Even though that may be true, how scary is that if that is what they're basing their faith on? True faith is thus falling into the arms of Christ. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I am a sinner that has been born again and I dare not live my life a part of being in the arms of Christ. Now, now that's going to be a little odd Sunday morning when I say, if you're here today and you want to fall into the arms of Jesus, come tell me. Faith is not me doing something. Faith is me falling into the arms of Christ. Now, guess what I did as a good Baptist? I fell into the arms of Christ and I did go forward and tell my pastor. And I filled out a card, and I was baptized and I was born again. But I think we need to be careful as people that the goal is not doing something. The goal is we're encouraging people to have faith in Christ and to fall into his arms. Faith abandons hope in man's accomplishments and leaves all works behind. And comes to Christ alone. That's why it's so important that we never stop preaching the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important we never stop preaching on the danger of sin. And the need to be born again. The danger of saying that we're not separated from God. If we're not separated from God, then we're not sinners. If we don't need to repent, we have to let the gospel be the gospel because faith abandons hope in my own economy. I must be dead. I must be needing to be born again. I must need a Savior because it cannot be of my own accomplishment. It leaves all works behind. It comes to Christ alone. It comes empty-handed to cast itself on His mercy. Such is a faith that saves. We got news that one of our dear friends from Indiana passed away. I always forget the name of the disease, but it's a terrible disease. It literally destroys your mental and muscle capacity, and it is a, a terrible disease. And this gentleman had passed away from that disease and it began to control his mind. And it's one of those situations, you almost cease to be the person that you really were. And I was just grieved over that because the last few years of his life, he was a, a shadow of the man that he once was. But I tell this story about true saving faith. He was a football player at the University of Louisville years ago and he was an offensive lineman, and he was a big man. He was kind of a private man. And he had began to visit our church and, and all the men were rallying around him and they would come to me and say hey you know he's coming to church have you talked to him I said yes I've talked to him we had a a cookout one night and they were like okay we're gonna send him out to help you in the grill and you talk to him you know everybody was praying for his salvation and I I would tell everybody you know listen I'm praying for him and I'm encouraging them but I was even telling those men that were praying for him he's got to do this on his own I mean he's I, I mean yes I could probably back him into a corner at the grill and say you're not getting off the patio until you pray the prayer okay and I said, he's got to do this on his own. And it wasn't many weeks after that that I stood down there and I said, if you are here today and you've made a decision for Christ and you like to say that decision, I want you to come. And I saw, I saw Keith back there crying. And he was so convicted he could not let go of the hymnal. The only time I've ever seen that. He literally walked down the front and he had the hymnal still turned to the page. He was like I I was like, you can put the hymnal down. And I thought, how sweet is that? That is when you realize I am nothing, and he didn't come empty-handed. He had the hymnal in his hand, but he said, "I come. In, I'm a grown man's man, and I don't care who sit. I am coming to the Lord with tears and weeping, and coming empty-handed to Christ." Now, those last few years of his life were terrible to have to endure, but I told Sharon, "It is. I have no doubt in my earthly mind and heart as a pastor." that he came to true saving faith and gave his life to Christ. It doesn't mean that we have to cry and show an emotional, but there has to be that understanding, I am coming empty-handed to Christ and finding my all in Him. Such a faith is a faith that saves. Then we have faith in works, and this is where it gets a little frustrating again pray for your pastor it gets a little frustrating for him because if i'm not careful like i said this morning i walk around with my little black pad now y'all know i have a black pad everybody's gonna get a little nervous because as a shepherd think about the wiley, wiley coyote the, the looney tunes commercial i'm the shepherd on the hill and all i can do is keep watch over the flock that you know so there's a, a, an element of i'm 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 seeing what i'm seeing all i can do is based on what i'm seeing i don't i don't have magical glasses that can see the heart that would be very convenient though so all i can go by is works And a lot of times as a pastor, I get frustrated because you see some work, you don't see some work, but you don't want to be focused on that. I don't want my whole life to be focused on ministry, on who's doing what and who's doing that and not doing this, and we live a life of rules and checking the boxes. I don't want to do that. But at the same time, as a pastor, I am going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account for the sheep, and all I can go by is what I see. And so there is an element of faith and works. And I'll I'll share you this. Good example. I normally don't talk about my family and my messages, but I'll I'll do something new this year. (laughs) Brantley and Katie are borderline goofy newlyweds. This is the first time that we've been around them. We were around them a little bit in October. So, you know, as a dad, you're wondering, what's this going to be like? My mom shared with me, she didn't ever told me this before, but when she found out Sharon and I were, were married, and well, she knew that, when she found out we were going to have babies after we were married, she was, she was broken over, and I, I'm assuming your parents were too. And my mom had told me this not long ago. She said, how in the world is he going to be a father? He can't even pick, clean, his, clean his room up. I mean, he is married and he's going to have children. She said, the first time I showed up, I had the kids with me and Sharon was gone. And I had all three little kids and I fed them and bathed them and put them in bed. And she said, I just went in there and just, oh my goodness, this is not my son. What happened? Well, so Brantley, he, he just, it's just, it's funny. It's just, some of you, you now Sharon and I still act that way. We're, we're newlyweds on 27 years, but it's just the silliness, the goofiness, the, she still fiddles with his ear and his hair, and do y'all still do that? Is that an affirmative Kim or no? He's sitting right dead center, you're right there. She's rubbed his head off, see? They love each other. How do you know that? Because they act like they love each other. They're newlyweds. I hope it doesn't wear off. When you love Jesus, I think your life reflects that. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get sidetracked. Sometimes we get a little confused. In my life, sometimes I get a little busy. I can get busy doing pastor stuff and forget what it means to love Jesus. I can get caught up in the stuff of the church and realize that it's not about my duty, but it's about my relationship. Faith in works. What saves is faith alone, but true faith is never alone. That's not original by me, but that's pretty good, isn't it? What saves is faith alone, but faith is never alone. It is always working through love. A love for him, a love for them, and a love for For one another. The works of the Christian life is really living a life of love. Loving God. Loving the lost enough to share the gospel. Loving him enough to believe his truth. Loving one another alive. To to invest my life in the kingdom work of church. Loving my children. Loving my husband. That is faith by works. The greatest of these from this morning remember is what? Faith, hope, and what? Love. Now Hebrews chapter 12. How about that for an introduction? We'll let Hebrews chapter 12 be our conclusion. Is that a little better? Faith and works. I don't want to just stand and say this is what faith is. I don't want to be sitting in a pew and just say I believe in faith. I want to live a life where I really grasp what faith is. Remember the the acronym that's been around for a while, the, 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 um, the uh, faith acronym, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all I trust Him. I want to live a life of trusting Him. Hebrews 12 shows us exactly how to do that. Look at verses 1 through 3 of Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, do we forget... How many people have done this before us? You remember in Corinthians it talks about no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Do you realize there is not one thing that we are enduring on our own right this very second that hundreds have not done before us as Christ followers? Everything that we're experiencing, everything that we're going to experience, everything that we're doing has already been done. And we've got a great cloud of witnesses rooting on. I mean, I think about it. I don't know how this works out. Wherever the the heaven balcony for pastors is, think about all the faithful pastors that have gone before us in my life and your life. They're literally up in heaven, and they're right now rooting on John, Matt, and Joy. Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it because we've done it. Think of all the folks that uh, we have said goodbye to and they're in glory right now. They're literally looking out of heaven and they're looking at you and your life and they're saying, You can do it. We've done it. He's done it. You can do it. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, here's the key I want to live this life of faith. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. One of the things I have noticed, and this isn't a woe-ease-me thing, but one of the things that I have noticed is with my old man, feeble knees. Pray for your pastor. He's got bad arthritis. It's just nobody told me that these things happen to you once you get over 50. So I do have a bad right knee. Doctors can't do anything about it other than a knee replacement, but I'm too young. So I feel for you that are a little bit older than me. I never understood the first time I heard somebody say they're moving out of a house with steps. I'm like, what are you, old or something? I get it. I have to make sure there's nothing in my way a lot of times when I walk now. Because just out of habit, I don't lift my right leg up high enough. And so I've got arthritis in that right knee. If I'm not careful, it just kind of drag a little bit. And, you know, that's kind of embarrassing. I mean, all of a sudden you're walking and you trip. So you're always kind of watching for something. You know, I still move like a ninja and a cheetah. I just have to be more observant about it. (laughs) Life is that way. We're not afraid. It doesn't prevent us from doing for what we need to do, but we're always watching. Let us watch. Let us lay aside everything that can be a hindrance in our Christian life. Now, We could spend a lot of time right there. Think of all the things that weigh us down in the Christian life. If you want to live a life of faith, lay aside every weight and sin. You know, here's a great example. I was talking about social media a few weeks ago. If you want to know whether or not a text is appropriate to send or a picture or whatever we call those things that we send around, memes, 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 or whatever, every time I say it, I say it wrong people laugh at me. It's where we take a picture and put words on it. We know we shouldn't send it. We send it anyway. Imagine Jesus was in the group that you're sending it to. Or if you want to be a little bit more practical, add a couple of deacons to it or your Sunday school teacher. Or throw in your pastor or youth pastor. Would you send the same text if we were showing it tonight on TV? You know, I, I told a, a, a gentleman one time that was struggling with watching and doing things on the internet. I said, "Well just do this. every time you log on the internet, ask yourself what well, if, if my internet if my internet screen, if my computer screen was on the, the, the on display at Sunday morning would I be on this website?" I said, that'll help a lot because everything that we do, Christ can see anyway." But that's a pretty good filter, isn't it? Would I say this? Would I do this? Would I live this? Would I approach this? Would I live this way? If my church saw me do it, if Christ saw me do it, that is every weight in sin which so easily entangles. Lay it aside. Let us run with endurance. Secondly, a life of faith is, is keep keeping on. The Christian life of faith is a, there's an end that God has ordained, by the way. God's not up in heaven running with us saying, I don't know how this thing's going to work out. He's there, and there's an end. And we run with endurance. We pace ourselves. We keep going. That's a life of faith. The race that is set before us. They say that it is proven that if you run with people, you can run further. I don't know how true that is, but I think there is probably some truth to that. You're running the race of life with Jesus with you. The founder and perfecter of what? Our faith. Who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and to seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we lay aside. We won with perseverance, looking to Jesus. We consider him. Look at verse 12. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. In other words, get up and get going and start living for him. It's okay. I know you're tired. I know you feel defeated. The, the author of Hebrews is saying, and the Lord is saying to us, but pick up your drooping hand, strengthen your weak knees, make strat the path of your feet, so what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The idea is as long as we are here, the Lord has us here, and we keep living a life of faith and realizing he's never left me, he's never forsaken me, he's right there with me, he is on his throne, I can do this because he has done it. And then verse 25, we'll close with this. Very clear. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they do not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, and much less we will escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Don't refuse him who is speaking. Think about faith. We have faith in the gospel that Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sin and we've been in a relationship with Him. The moment that we are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit abides within us. We also have the Word of God as a guide and the voice of God in our lives. We also have the people of God that we Find our love and our support and our accountability. we look at this morning, our protection. And we have everything in place, everything that we need to live the life of faith. If we just keep going and lay aside, run with perseverance, looking unto Christ, lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and do not refuse listening to what God is saying through His Spirit, through His Word, through our worship, through our people. That's faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. Believing and trusting upon something. A movement of trust that keeps going till the very end. Do you have this type of saving faith? But do you also have this type of living faith? Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, tonight, this morning, this evening. We thank you for the church, we thank you for our faith, we thank you for the opportunities that we have to sing, to worship, and to glory in who you are and who we are as redeemed people. Lord, as we come to a point of decision tonight, I pray that we are overjoyed with our faith in you for the week ahead, for the days ahead. We thank you for our faith. And this we pray in your name, Christ. Amen.